Hi, and welcome to Madness to Magic and my podcast, I'm with Crazy, a love story. I'm your host, Paulina Milana, author of The S Word. This show is for those of us who find ourselves surrounded by madness and wanting to find the magic within. We're going to come together here as caregivers to those who have been diagnosed with a mental illness. Maybe it's someone in the family we've been born into. Maybe it's someone we love. Maybe it's someone we work with. Maybe even it's ourselves. Whether we've been thrust into this caregiver role or taken it on by choice, this podcast is where we're going to share our stories and learn to realize the magic in all the madness we may have been experiencing. I promise you, it can be done. So let's get to it. Hi there, and welcome back to Madness to Magic and my podcast, I'm with Crazy, a love story. It's been a couple of months since I last hopped onto the mic here. In truth, I actually did record an episode of this podcast for Christmas. I felt as if I had to. Not that I didn't want to. I I wanted to wish everyone their merriest season ever. And I do hope yours was just that. I also felt I had to because December 2019 marked the one-year anniversary of this podcast. So yay! I'm going to give myself a round of applause, even if no one else will. (laughs) Now, you might have noticed that my Christmas podcast never made it to the masses. There's a good reason for that. Honestly, I just wasn't feeling it. Even after I had recorded it, I I kept listening to it over and over again. And even though everything I said was true about how I was feeling, there was just something missing. It was like, um, I don't know, that hope, that inspiration, that um, spark of magic, let's call it. It just wasn't there. I could feel its absence when I recorded the podcast, and I could hear it when I listened back. So, of course, then I thought, oh, my God, I'm so busy, but I have to record something or I have to re-record this. I've got to put something out. It's the holidays. Everyone else's. If I miss this opportunity to wish people a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah and whatever else people are celebrating, it's gone forever. It's the last Christmas of the decade, right? And what does it say about me if I don't? So I thought about that for quite a while, and I almost just published the podcast. But then I remembered what I tell everyone else, to remember who they are. Remember who you are. Stop with the shoulda, coulda, woulda. Put on your own oxygen mask before everyone else's. So with that, I then said those two magic words, fuck it. I realized that somehow I had gotten myself caught up again in my own madness, racing around, juggling so many balls, ticking off my to-do list, and with every task that I completed, two more seemed to take their place. It's sort of like the hairs on my chin, (laughs) embarrassingly enough. My mother always told me that to pluck one hair meant seven would show up to replace it. You know what? She was right. (laughs) She wasn't kidding. It's gotten to the point where not only do I want to run away and join the circus, but I'd be a natural for the bearded lady uh, position to boot. So so I guess that's a silver lining, huh? Uh, Job security. Anyway, all kidding aside, 
From this past Thanksgiving through New Year's, something has been feeling a bit off. Uh, and if I'm honest, I'm still not 100% feeling it. I, I don't think I'm alone in my feelings. Others have said the same. I'm sure it has something to do with what's playing out on the world stage. On top of that, in my case, I'm working on the second part of my memoir, which means I'm delving into pieces of my past. And for anyone who's worked on a memoir or even reflected on their past, that can take a toll. There's a lot of moving water, that's for sure. Now, I do know one thing for sure, it doesn't really matter what's going on externally. What does matter is what's going on internally. So to that end, it dawned on me that I've been burning the candle on both ends, and I needed a timeout. One very long winter's nap. In other words, the very thing I preach about in this podcast, in my writing, all about caregiving, it's the one thing I, I haven't been doing really for myself. Now, I didn't really realize that until just the other day. I was interviewed by CBC Radio on a piece they're doing dealing with grief. The journalist explained that after the Iran plane crash and the ongoing threat of more war, they wanted to do something to help the many people who may be grieving the loss of loved ones and the many more who may be feeling anxious. So they came across my name, she said, because of a piece I had written after the death of my little sister, Vinny, in 2014 uh, that appeared in the Daily Muse. It was all about uh, dealing with grief when going back uh, to the workplace. The minute that reporter mentioned that, a piece that I honestly had forgotten, I took a look at the calendar, and it hit me that Friday, January 17, is the six-year anniversary of my sibling's unexpected death. Now it was all starting to make sense. The holidays are always stressful, no matter who you are, I think, but they've always been an added challenge for me, in part because of having a mom with mental illness, a sister with mental illness, and the holidays always seem to amplify that. But this year, working on the memoir, plus the anniversary of my sister, and all of that hurt and grief that's in our world today, it, it just impacted me with me being too busy, running on fumes, instead of even realizing I just need to slow down. I just need to be B. I just need to address it and take care of me. Grief hits you in the oddest of ways. There's that initial shock, pain, sadness that comes with losing a loved one or even the loss of a job, or the breakup of a relationship, or the letting go of a dream. But then long after you've kind of moved on, or think you've moved on, and you're back in your day-to-day -day life, boom, it can happen to you in ways that are pretty forceful, reducing you to tears, or in ways that you don't even know what's happening. You just feel kind of off, um, a little bit paralyzed. So often we're told or we think we should just get over it, right? Shake it off. But that's not the best for anyone involved. And it really isn't possible because we won't get over it, nor should we. Grief is a part of life, just as joy is. The experience of it is 
part of what makes you you. It's the same with whatever madness we're experiencing. We wonder, when will the madness stop? Well, guess what? It won't. It may change, but we'll always have madness in our lives. It's how we deal with all that that really matters. My little sister's death was a major wake-up call. She really taught me that we all have an expiration date. From the moment we're born, when you think about it, we start dying. And as defeatist as that may sound at first blush, it, it isn't. It's actually a great reminder that all we have is this moment. We never know when our number's up. So as someone once said, get busy living or get busy dying. In 2014, uh, really after she died, I, I made the choice to finally finish my first part of the memoir, The Yes Word, and get it published. It published May of 2015. So it's ironic that Vinnie, my sister, would show up again when I'm working on the second memoir, wondering if I should even be doing this again, uh, and again, procrastinating. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's awesome that she shows up again as a reminder. Get busy. And I think that's what the message is. I further think, what does that really mean, get busy, at least for me? So in my 54 years, almost 55, I'm definitely someone who has gotten busy. <laughs> From schooling, to my career, to caregiving, to relationships, major highs, major lows, everything in between, risks, leaps of faith, and, well, living. I've, I've done a lot of it. Did I do everything I could have done? Probably not. Did I do everything the way it should have been done? Probably not. Did I do everything the way, in hindsight, I would have done if I knew then what I know now? Probably not. But as Maya Angelou is quoted as saying, we did then what we knew how to do. Now we know better, so we do better. Two things have come up for me with this whole getting busy. One is to get busy on the stuff that really matters versus letting all the little day-to-day -day interruptions or other people's agendas get in the way. I too often let whatever madness is happening kind of distract me for a moment. I suffer from what I call filter failure. I'm bombarded by so much and it's easier to do those little things and to feel like I've been so productive, but the real things that require more thought, more time, more heart, more devotion, the real things that matter, they seem to go to the back burner when they should be at the forefront. The second thing that comes up for me in, in giving, in this whole kind of getting busy and having gotten busy and living your life is giving myself credit for the stuff that I, I have accomplished. My brother asks me quite often if I think of myself as a success. And I usually hem and haw and I say, you know, not really. And it so frustrates him when I say that. But the truth is I, I don't. With all that I've accomplished and overcome, I still have moments when I feel like I haven't done enough, when I think I'm not enough. Those ever vocal voices in my head, they just keep whispering, I should have more, do more, 
be more. And the reason I don't is because in reality, I'm just not all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> Clearly, the voices in my head feel the need to share their opinion that I'm a few french fries short of a Happy Meal. Thank you very much. But I, I know enough to know that that thinking is faulty. It just isn't true. Not for me, not for you. Those voices aren't really real. And we need to practice caregiving for ourselves and celebrating who we are just by being. And when we can't do that, we need someone or something else to help us. You know, my little sister had a really rough life. I've talked about it before. She was bullied as a kid. She battled a mental illness. She struggled with the simplest of tasks. And yet, she fought to live the life she wanted and fought for others to live their lives. I remember um, her going around singing that Gwen Stefani song, you know, It's My Life. Um, don't you forget it. Especially when big sister me would try to tell her how to live hers. She died too soon, in my opinion. But you know what? For all of her issues, she experienced one of the sweetest and most loving relationships with her longtime boyfriend that I have ever seen to date. How many people die without ever knowing a love like that? So she did live her life. And I thank her for showing me and reminding me again to live mine. So get busy living. A couple of days ago, I was on the phone with a customer service rep. I wasn't exactly a happy camper when we started out talking about something that was owed to me. I wasn't rude, but I was direct. I was very clear. I wanted what was promised to me. This young man, he worked on the solution. And in the time it took him to fill in whatever forms he had to, to get me what I wanted, we chatted. He said something that made me ask him what it was that he wanted to do with his life. He said he wanted to move to Sri Lanka, and he told me why. I then asked why he didn't do it, and he said one word, family. Ah, family, yeah. Sometimes such a great thing, and sometimes it's a four-letter word. <laughs> I know a thing or two about family and living a life of obligation, which was what he was doing. So I shared my thoughts with this 24-year-old, and how he needed to live his own life, just like everyone else in his family needed to live theirs, not his. And by the time we were done, he got a little choked up, saying he was speechless and didn't know what to say because, quote, you may have literally just changed my life forever, end quote. I think on that conversation today, I was pretty much his same age, 25, when my father died, followed by my little sister being diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia when I was 26, and me becoming primary caregiver, not only to her, but to my mom, also diagnosed with a mental illness way earlier. I knew what this young man may have been feeling, no matter what his particular madness may have been. Now, in my case, I didn't get out back then. I hadn't learned yet how to put on my own oxygen mask before helping others with theirs and I didn't know how to ask for help. As a result, I spent the next nearly 10 years falling further and further into my own despair, and it almost ended quite tragically. Thankfully, 
some divine intervention in the form of a stranger who would become my therapist, my mentor, put me on the path to reclaiming my own power, getting myself out of that bunny hole I was in, and finding my own magic. We never know where that lifeline, the very person or thing we may need, will cross our paths. And we never know when we might actually be that lifeline for someone else. I recently ran across this picture in my phone I had taken a while back. It made me laugh out loud when I did and still makes me laugh when I see it. The picture is a sign, something you might hang on the wall, and I'll describe it to you. It was um, basically three or four slats of wood, and they were painted like a mint green. There were words on it, and it said, voices in your head, normal. Listening to them, common. Arguing with them, acceptable. Losing the argument, big problem. (laughs) That still makes me laugh probably because it's so true. It's sort of the definition I have for like madness. And in revisiting my past, it's something that's always been a part of me. It still is a part of me. I would guess that's true for all of us. Everyone listening on this podcast, we've all got those voices coming from others, but mostly coming from within. Shoulda, woulda, coulda's not helpful. Distractions and doing more, 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 never good enough. It's madness. Listening to the outsiders or the fear of missing out with what we see on social media, it's all external BS and just adds to our cray-cray. I know for sure that no matter what kind of external circumstances we're battling, the true madness is the one we're battling internally. What we say to ourselves, pushing ourselves because we should, beating ourselves up because we shouldn't have, all of it, How we are caregivers for ourselves is really key to pretty much everything else. I created Madness to Magic, and I've been working with people who are in whatever madness they're in and helping them find their own magic. And what I realize is that the madness is never going away. We're never going to be free of crazy. It is going to keep coming, and it will find us. In my case, that's always been and always will be true. What I further realize, and actually know to be true, is that rather than fear the madness or shamefully hide it, when I've given it its voice and actually made friends with it, when I've partnered with it, it's made me even more powerful. And that's when the real magic shows up. I liken it to the musical uh, Wicked, the story of Elphaba. I've maybe shared this before, but since I told you about the sign just a few minutes ago, the one with the voices, I wanted to share where that sign came from because it kind of seems to fit here. That sign was hanging on the back of the bathroom door in my doctor's office. Actually, she wasn't really my doctor. She was another chance meeting, another divine intervention as I like to think of them. Her name was Pat, and she was a woman's health nurse practitioner. At the time I met her, I was in a pretty stressful job an executive role that, quite frankly, I had been killing myself in. I was working at this nonprofit, a very worthy mission, but unfortunately filled with its own internal dysfunctions, including people with their own broken wings, their own agendas. It was a super unhealthy environment. Something, unfortunately, that I realized too late in the game, because to not fix it and succeed meant 
I was a failure in my mind. So I soldiered on. As a champion of the charity, a caregiver, the do-it-all kind of girl, you know, powerful me. But I was getting sick, completely physically and mentally exhausted. I needed a little help. Pat was suggested to me, and I booked the appointment. It was like the last appointment of the day, I remember. And the administrator of the facility, the one I talked to on the phone, told me that if I took the last appointment of the day, I needed to be okay with sharing a glass of wine with Pat. And I thought, what? I I wondered to myself, what kind of a place is this? However, since I love my wine, I was like, okie dokie, no problem there. When I entered the doors of Pat's place, the receptionist greeted me. I was racing. I I didn't want to be late, so I didn't even really bother to look at what was all around me. I just took the clipboard she gave me, all the paperwork she handed me, and I went to sit down to fill it in. It was then that I noticed the decor. On the walls, the furniture, even the floors, it looked as if the characters and the scenery from The Wizard of Oz had decided to make this place home. (laughs) I looked around, realizing that every chair already was occupied, not by human beings, but by like plush stuffed Wizard of Oz dolls. It was sort of bizarre, but at the same time, it was kind of cool. Everywhere I looked, there was Dorothy, the Tim Man, the Lion, the Scarecrow. Even as I looked down at the floor beneath my seat, I chuckled at the sight of a pair of stuffed Wicked Witch of the West legs (laughs) in black and green striped tights. They were sticking out from underneath the nearby closet door. And then on the walls, hanging from every bare spot, were quotable quotes and sayings that rivaled the one I would see on the back of the bathroom door. I remember one sign said something like, uh, absolutely no working during drinking hours. (laughs) Hilarious. And my kind of place. So anyway, Pat clearly marched to the beat of her own drum, and I clearly felt at home in that office. When I was finally called back to see her, I commented on her Wizard of Oz decor. Pat thanked me for noticing and said that the Wizard of Oz was her all-time favorite. I asked her why the Wizard of Oz. Her response was one I had never thought of before. Pat said, to her, the Wizard of Oz was a great story of friendship. What one character lacked, the others had, and together it made them whole. Wow. That hit home then, and here it is hitting home for me years later. We all experience moments when we need a timeout or when we no longer know which way to go. We all feel afraid and alone and discouraged at times. We all grieve and regret and want to run away and join the circus from time to time. We all have way too many plates we're spinning, but which ones can we drop? We all have our own madness we're navigating, trying to find the magic. Even Dorothy had her own twists and turns. The tornado, the wicked witch, being thrust into a new environment. She met people along the way. Some, like the munchkins, were nothing like what she expected. Some, like the flying monkeys, were to be feared. Some, like the actual wizard she sought, were just smoke and mirrors. Dorothy had a lot of external situations, just like we all do. She also had a lot of self-doubt and fears, like we all do. But one thing Dorothy had that we all do, too, is the power within us. It's always within us. 
We just need to tap into it, to trust it, to put one foot in front of the other and walk our own yellow brick road. And we need to see ourselves for who we really are. The lion did have courage. The tin man already had a heart. The scarecrow had a brain. Those voices outside of us, or more importantly, inside us, telling us that we aren't significant, that we're lacking something, that we don't bring value, that we should be over there, not here, that whatever we do, it's never enough. Those voices that tell us we miss the boat or we can't any longer because of whatever reasons, they're wrong. And when we can't see that for ourselves, we need divine intervention from others to help us see it. Now, as much as Pat's all-time favorite was The Wizard of Oz, my all-time favorite story is It's a Wonderful Life, with Jimmy Stewart starring as George Bailey of Bedford Falls. Now, if you've never seen it, good God, what's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Um, But if you've never seen it, I do hope you decide to. It really is wonderful. It keeps growing in meaning for me ever since that first Christmas I watched it with my father, the very first time it aired on TV. I've been watching it every Christmas since. That movie has always made me think about myself as George Bailey. George Bailey, who as a young man had so many dreams, so many ambitions. He wanted to travel and to build things, and he wanted to really make this big difference in people's lives and in the world. He wanted to make a name for himself and be somebody. When he's college aged, he tells Mary, the girl he'll one day marry, that he has no intention of sticking around town. He actually says, and I'm quoting, I know what I'm gonna do tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm gonna see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here to go to college and see what they know. And then I'm gonna build things. I'm gonna build airfields. I'm gonna build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm gonna build bridges a mile long. So many specific plans. But George never does get out of Bedford Falls. Lots of reasons why, just like all of us, life just seems to happen. And for George, he seems to end up living a life of obligation, caregiving for everybody else other than himself. At one point, he finds himself in serious financial trouble. Even though it's due to no fault of his own, he chooses to take on the blame and the responsibility. He can lose it all, his family, his home, and he can go to jail. He tries to figure out a way out on his own, but he can't, and he becomes discouraged and desperate, and he considers taking his life. He feels like such a failure because the voices in his head focus on what he hasn't achieved instead of all that he has. And they whisper words of shame so that George doesn't feel as if there is anyone he can lean on or ask for help. By the time the story ends, however, a bit of divine intervention in the form of Clarence, the angel, trying to get his own wings, he shows up and he shows George that he actually did build things. He built an entire town that would have been completely different had he not been there. He built a community filled with people who cared for one another. He built a family that loved him, and his selfless actions helped save the lives of countless others he never even knew. Because as Clarence says, one man's life touches so many others. It's interesting because here's the guy who was the strongest among them, 
caregiver, the guy who did it all, the one who had all the answers, the one who got it done and kept it together. Yet, at the moment when he starts to fall apart, as we all do, and he needs help, others are there to step in. And they give George a whole different perspective on who he is, how important he's been to them, how his just being has meant all the world of difference to them. And they show him just what a wonderful life he really has and others have because of him. Remembering who you are, being who you are, is all that we need to be. Trying to be something you think you're supposed to be or something other than who or where you are, that is when we fail. So on this anniversary of my little sister's death, I thank her again for the reminder to get busy living my own life, to not get caught up in my own shoulda, woulda, couldas, to be a compassionate caregiver to me when I need it, and to tell those nonstop voices in my head, just chill. I wish this too for all of you, dear listeners, and I welcome your stories and comments here. So until we connect again, happy new year and happy new decade 2020. Thanks so much for listening to Madness to Magic and my podcast, I'm with Crazy, a love story. I believe we're all here for a purpose and I know that this is part of mine. Please share this with anyone you think might benefit or might even have a story of their own to share. You also can visit me at madnesstomagic.com or check out more of my stories, including info on my book, The S Word, at paulinamilanawrites.com. I hope to hear from you and to join forces with what I consider a unique caregiver tribe as we all learn to embrace all of ourselves, to have compassion for others, and to come into our full power by the grace that is both madness and magic. Until we meet again, I'll leave you with one of my favorite mantras. Be bold and mighty forces shall come to your aid. Thank you.